To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate, when instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Good morning. I wonder if Jonathan was scared when he walked up and you all said, preach the word. But I appreciate him reading that scripture. This, this morning we're going to be talking about Isaiah 53. And whenever I read that passage in 1 Peter, if I were going to say this is a commentary on Isaiah 53, um, that would be a good passage to choose. In fact, it quotes Isaiah 53 in that passage. Isaiah 53, as we look at it, some might say is the Mount Everest of Messianic prophecy. Uh, it's quoted seven times in the New Testament. Um, one of them, Jonathan, just read to us. Another one, we're in Bible class today in Matthew chapter 8, and it's quoted there, and it's to show that what Jesus was doing was fulfilling prophecy. Um, you'll also see it in Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and they use that passage to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, and I love how it says they began with that very passage, and he just shared the gospel with them. We've been doing a series called Hidden in Plain Sight, and I want to talk to you about what the sermon is going to look like this morning just so that you're prepared in advance for it, that what we are planning to do today is I will give you some background on messianic prophecy, and I'll go in and I'll talk about that, but then we're going to go into a phase when I will read Isaiah chapter 52 and the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and on through Isaiah 53. And this is what I want to say to you is I want Isaiah 53 to be the sermon this morning. And so I was tempted when I was preparing for this lesson to go through Isaiah chapter 53 and read chapter one, read verse one and say, this is where it's fulfilled in the New Testament and read verse two and say, this is where it's fulfilled in the New Testament and read verse three and show this is where it's fulfilled in the New Testament. But then I got to thinking about that and I said, you know, that's going to speak to our head, but I really want us to speak to our heart this morning. There really is something powerful when you read the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and all of Isaiah 53 that it in itself is a sermon for us. And so when we get to that part, whenever I read the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and all of Isaiah chapter 53, that will be the sermon. And directly following that, glory will come up and he will lead us in the invitation song. Um, I want you to take a look at this as it pops up. What does that make you think of? Well, for some of you that are on the same track as me, and we have Where's Waldo, right? So if you're looking at that there on the screen, can any of you guys see where, where's, where Waldo is? Uh, my nephew Benjamin, it took him two minutes and 17 seconds to find it. And we're not going to wait two minutes and 17 seconds to find it, but uh, if you look here, right here's where Waldo is. Just right there in the middle, and just for clarification, you can see there he is. He's right there. 
Well, as we're doing this series, Hidden in Plain Sight, I want us to think about this, that sometimes it's been right in front of you and you never noticed it. The other piece of this is this, is that other times you've seen it so many times that you no longer notice it. And I wonder if this is where we are sometimes as we come to this place and we go to Bible class and we hear lessons and we just become so accustomed to it that we just forget about the first time we were wowed by what we heard in the gospel. I got the blessing to talk with one of my really good friends. His name's Mike McDougall. Um, he was here for, for a while. It's Kurt and Nancy Martin's son-in-law, and they were missionaries in Hangzhou, China. And we were talking about a story that he shared with me. And as he was a professor there in the university, they had their book club that they would invite students to come to. And in that book club, that was an opportunity for them to share the gospel. But one of the things that's so amazing about so many people in China, they have never heard the gospel. They have never heard of Jesus. And Dougal one day, he, was, he invited them over, his students over to the house to watch the Jesus movie. And they didn't know the story of the gospel. They didn't know the end of the story like we know. And as they were watching the movie, it gets to the point when Jesus is betrayed. And they asked Dougal to pause the movie. And they said, why, why would they be doing this? He's done so many good things for them. Why would they be doing this? And Dougal just said, just keep watching. Just keep watching. And so then they continued the movie, and then they see Jesus being beaten. And again, they stop Dougal, and they say, pause the movie, pause the movie. Why would they be beating him? He did so many good things. And, and even with all the good things, couldn't he save himself? And they sound just like what they were saying to Jesus as he hung on the cross, and he said, just keep watching. And then they continued watching the movie, and Jesus dies on the cross, and he looks, and they're very somber in the room, and then they get to the part in the movie when... On the third day, the stone rolls away and there's that image of Jesus raising from the dead. And he said, they gasped in unison. Brothers and sisters, I want us to be in a place where we always gasp when we hear the story of what Jesus has done. We've heard some really good lessons in this series on hidden in plain sight. David Henniger, he shared the thought of the first prophecy in Genesis 3.15 that came up. And then last week, Bill, he talked about how that stone was Christ or that rock was Christ. And it was a really great lesson. And where we are today is me having the task of sharing the Mount Everest of Messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53. And I wanted to do a little bit of background to prepare us for what we're going to see. You see, in the Old Testament, there are 324 messianic prophecies and in those messianic prophecies you'll see some pretty amazing things in those prophecies that give details about Jesus's life and so I'm not going to share all 324 but I'm going to share 15 with you to just see if you can hear a common theme of what you've already heard coming from the New Testament that the Messiah would be born of a virgin that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That the Messiah would be preached by a messenger. That the Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. That the Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. That the Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. That the Messiah, with the money that was given from his betrayal, that money would be used to buy a potter's field. 
that the Messiah would be hated without cause, that the Messiah would be silent before his accusers, that the Messiah would be executed by crucifixion by having his hands and his feet pierced, the Messiah would be given vinegar to quench his thirst, that the Messiah would be executed without having a broken bone, that the Messiah would be executed by crucifixion as a thief, that the Messiah would be buried with a rich man in his death, that the Messiah would raise from the dead. As I was preparing for this lesson, um, I decided what would it look like if I looked at Jewish sources? And one of the Jewish sources that I came across, his name is Jonathan Burnus. And he is a Messianic Jew, and that means that he is a Jew that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And he was sharing some things by a mathematician by the name of Peter Stoner. And Peter Stoner, he counted the probability of what would the probability of one person fulfilling just 48 of these over 300 Messianic prophecies. And what he found was this number right here. He said that it would be 1 in 10 followed by 153 zeros. Um, if you don't know what that looks like, that's what it looks like. Um, I actually counted 153 zeros, and I had to look at some new numbers here, and this is a real number. It is 1 in 100 sexdecillion probability of Jesus fulfilling just that amount of prophecy. So he looked a little more and he said, what would we do if we just wanted to make it smaller? What is the probability of one, prefer one person fulfilling just eight of these over 300 prophecies found? And he found that it would be a little smaller number. It would be one in 10 followed by 16 zeros. Um, this is a number that we've heard before. It's one in 100 quadrillion. You see, the odds of Jesus being the Messiah are very, very slim Yet, as he fulfills all of these prophecies, if, if the odds were so big and Jesus is fulfilling all these prophecies, as you're seeing it, it says, this must be the guy. But I want you to think about this is, he tried to describe it a little bit more, and since we're in the great state of Texas, he said, the probability in an in a illustration would be as if somebody filled the entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, and one of those silver dollars they painted blue, dropped it in there, mixed it all up, and then they dropped somebody down blindfolded and said, go pick up one coin, and if that person reached down in there and put, picked up that coin, that would be what the probability is. You see, and what this communicates to me is that God, although it was hidden in plain sight, he has made it so evident that Jesus is the Messiah that we cannot deny it. And since we're in the great state of Texas, I wanted to ask this question. What's the probability of winning the Texas Powerball? And here's the number. I looked it up online and it said that it is 1 in 292,201,338. That's your probability of winning the Powerball. And usually when you think about the lottery, you fall into one of two categories. You think, oh, that is so improbable, I'm not going to buy one. Or the other side is, I'm going to buy one and maybe I'll get lucky. Those are the two areas that you fall into. And yet with Jesus, the probability is so high that he could be the Messiah. But everywhere in all of these messianic prophecies, it's pointing to the fact that Jesus is indeed the one. And so it's not buying a lottery ticket. 
What it is is it's saying, I can 100% count on Jesus being this person who has come to save this world and to save myself. And so you're not taking a risk following Jesus. When you see that what God has done, that it was hidden in plain sight and he came in and he did all of this so that we can be saved, you can count on it and you can go in with great, great confidence. So we're going to break it a little bit smaller. In just Isaiah, I count over 40 messianic prophecies. That's in Isaiah. If you look at this next slide here, what this is is on the left side, you'll see that that is Isaiah. And then on the right side of the slide, that is every book of the Bible. And so as you look at the left and you see the line going over, you're going to see that is the chapter in Isaiah where it's mentioned. And then when it meets over in the New Testament, that's what book of the New Testament that that prophecy is fulfilled in. Now I want you to think about this. This is just Isaiah. This isn't the rest of the Old Testament. This is just Isaiah, and then we move it a little bit closer to where we are today in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 alone mentions over 20 details we see in this gospel. And this is what I want to do right now. Is a, I'm not going to go in and break it down, but I am going to mention some things really quickly just so that we can appreciate the sermon that we're going to hear in just a few moments as we read the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and all of Isaiah chapter 53. But just in Isaiah 53 alone, it says that the message of the Messiah would not be believed. It says that the Messiah would be despised, forsaken, would be sorrowful, and he would experience grief. It says that the Messiah would carry our griefs and our sorrows. It says that the Messiah would be put to death for the world's sin. It says that the Messiahs, by the Messiah's stripes, we are healed. It says that the world's iniquities are put upon the Messiah. It says that the Messiah was oppressed and afflicted. It says that the Messiah was silent before his accusers. It says that the Messiah would be cut off from life and that he would die for the sins of his people. It says that the Messiah would be buried with a rich man in his death. It says that no deceit would be in the Messiah. It says that it was the Father's will to put the Messiah to death for our, on our behalf. It says that the Messiah will, be his, will see his seed. It says that the Messiah will prolong his days. It says that we will receive sanctification by the Messiah. It says that the Messiah will justify the many by bearing their sins. It says that the Messiah's glorious future lies in what he will do for us. It says that the Messiah will die willingly. It says that the Messiah will be hung and died for the transgressors. It says that the Messiah will bear our sins. And it says that the Messiah will intercede for sinners. That's just in Isaiah chapter 53. There's a good friend of mine named Solomon. He and I met whenever, we, whenever I lived in Guadalajara. And um, Solomon is Jewish, and he and I began to study the Bible together, and one day we were studying the Bible, and I just opened up to the Old Testament, and I opened up to Isaiah 53, and I said, why don't you just read this and tell me who it's talking about? And he read Isaiah chapter 53, and he said, that's talking about Jesus. And I didn't give any 
instructions. I didn't give any leading, but he read that passage. And just from what he knows in Mexican culture and what he's heard just living in the Catholic culture in Mexico, he knew instantly that that was talking about Jesus. The sad part of the story is he still hasn't said yes to Jesus. That he believes that that text is talking about Jesus, but the reason why he hasn't said yes to Jesus is he looks at it more in a business platform. You see, Solomon's a businessman. And what he told to me, and this was last week, I was talking to him about this even last week, and he said, you know, for me, I just see myself in as, as an agnostic, and that works well for me because it makes it where I can interact well with Catholics, I can interact well with other Christians, I can interact with, Judy, with Jews, I can interact well with atheists. And Tony made an interesting comment to me. She said, it seems like he's thought through everyone except for his relationship with God. And that's what we're about, is that the reason why this was hidden and it's been in plain sight for us is because God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to redeem us of our sins. And I think about the passage in John 1 that it says, and to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And God has made that plain for us. And so here... In just a second, I'm going to read the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and all of Isaiah 53. And this is what I want you to be thinking about before Gloy comes up and he leads us in the invitation song. Is that the invitation is this. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, the Messiah, who God has made it evidently clear that Jesus is the Messiah, we want you to come forward today and give your life to Jesus and you can be baptized and have your sins washed away, just as Isaiah 53 says. But the other piece for us, I think, is I want the luster to be back in us. I want us to gasp again whenever we think about what God has done to make it evident for us as followers of Jesus. That I want that excitement to come back for us. And I want that to be seen, and I believe that it can happen if we just open up our hearts as we listen to this passage. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, um, otherwise I'll just read it. But I'm going to read it with no commentary, and then directly following the reading, Glory's going to come up and lead us in the invitation song. And so please, my encouragement for you is to see this as the sermon for this morning. Let's see what he has to say. I'll start reading in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which was not been told, them they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this generation and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made a grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, He shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteousness, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion among the many, And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors.